Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by who else? BetOnline.ag. And look, with the summers left of baseball marquee matchups coming up, BetOnline has got you all set for prop bets, futures, odds, news, information, and all your online sports betting needs. So what are you waiting for? Visit the website today or go to your mobile device right now and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before that next pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. I'm so excited to have a returning guest and a first-time guest, but they are a dynamic duo. They both host the Friendly Confines podcast. It is Ryan Lieber and Chad Gordon. First, let's say hello to Ryan. Hello. Welcome back. Joey, good to be back, man. It's good to see you again. Thanks for having us back. I apparently made somewhat of an impression to at least have you invited me back, and then this time you brought Chad along, too. Such an impression that I only bring it back during the bad times, uh, and I apologize for that in advance. But uh, And also, your, your co-host, who so I'm super excited to have on for the first time, Chad Gordon. Chad, welcome to the pod. It's good to be here. I've got a different take than what Ryan shared. Obviously, he couldn't carry the show on his own, so he had to bring me in to help out. <laughs> He's going to the bullpen. We're bringing in Chad Gordon right here. Gentlemen, I'm so excited to bring you on. I wish we were. Uh, I wish I was bearing better tidings, but obviously, as we all know, the Cubs are under 500 right now. Major change is on the way. Now, before we put on our GM hats and we start talking about Javi Baez's OBP, uh, the the structural back of Anthony Rizzo moving forward, where Chris Bryant is or isn't going to go. Chad, if you don't mind, we're going to go to you first, my friend. Um, here's my question for you. Was this roster set up to fail before the first game of the season even began? Oh, Chad loves this question. Go I, ahead, I, buddy. I love this question, and I love it because I've actually I've come to the realization that I was wrong when I started off the season in a lot of different ways. I, I thought there was no reason that Jed Hoyer would take over this role uh, with the intent of overseeing uh, destruction of this this franchise to the point where you're you're going to be getting you know a high draft pick and you're going to be alienating a lot of your fan base and I think that decision that Jed made to part with you Darvish and to part with Victor Carantini um, in in the 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 uh, the off season was the death knell and it really set up this team with real you know you know when you bring in Jake Arrieta really primarily as kind of like a to honor what he's done in the past years ago and sell a lot of t-shirts you're not bringing in the guy that you expect to win every 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 fifth start and so I think the team was set up in a way that that uh, made it easier for the front office to uh, allow this to happen what shocked me I think Joey is the fact that you've got three really core guys in Rizzo and Baez and Bryant that are on contract years and typically it just happens um, that those guys will have, you know, amazing years because they want to get paid. They come in focused. They come in the best shape of their life. They come in with the intent of, of, of going after all the stats they can, but all the guys are really struggling. I'll, I'll give Chris Bryan a bit of a break because he was MVP caliber before he is, his thumb got hurt. But yeah, was this lineup constructed in a way to make it easier for this, this rebuild to happen? Yeah, I, I really do think it is the case. And it really started with the starting pitching. I don't think they expected the bullpen to be as lights out as they were. And I think that was a surprise, but uh, it all falls on Jed. And I think it's, 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 since this team is under 500, as you said, it gives him an opportunity to, to start having these difficult conversations and break up what was supposed to be a dynasty. And it's all on Jed is such a great way to phrase it because, you know, a lot of fans, I feel like, are taking a lot of swings at the Rizzo, Baez, and Bryants right now of what they are and, more importantly, what they aren't right now. But we do have to remember, stepping back from a broad picture, because we're going to have to be, as Cubs fans, looking at this from a broad aspect in the next couple of years as they retool, that walking into this, Ryan, at the beginning of the year from game one, this starting rotation, you can say the word competitive as all as, as, all as you want, is window dressing, but this starting rotation wasn't ready to compete and it really is just kind of maybe opened up some of the other warts on this team, but it starts at the top, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely does. And, you know, kind of to Chad's point, Jed Hoyer was the one that ultimately made the moves to construct the roster the way that it looks right now. And to that point about Jake Arietta, it was a window dressing kind of move to bring in a guy who had, you know, some of the greatest success ever as a cub. He's maybe one of the most beloved players of all time within the past 25 years. So it's kind of a feel good. Oh, maybe he can recapture that magic from even 2017. You never know, you know, let alone 2015. I don't think anybody really thought that was going to be the case. Well, so forbid have an ERA like Dallas Keuchel and just be like a little bit over four, give us six runs to six and 
innings, two runs every once in a while, maybe a blow up here and there, but obviously it went a different direction. Yeah, and and look, I the day that the Darvish trade happened, I remember Chad and I had a show, and I I, I remember being really fired up and and being upset about the fact that the season's season's done at this point. The funny part is though, Joey, is that, and I've mentioned this before, the starting pitching has actually not been so terrible or as bad as maybe people make it out to be you know even during that 11 game losing streak the starting rotation actually kept this team in games really it was the offense that had faltered for a very long period of time so well I don't look at these this starting four and think that you know Tyler Williams or Arietta or you know Zach Davies are guys that are going to put this team over the hump you were getting at least um, after the first, you know, few starts of the season, the Kyle Hendricks that we expected to see, and now he's he's cruising right now. I mean, he's pitching like the Kyle Hendricks that we know that he can pitch like. So um, while the starting rotation, I don't think really had much of a chance. I don't think they were as bad as people thought, and nor do I think they are really the ultimate reason why this team has struggled throughout the entire year. Personally. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. The only small maybe pushback that I'll have is, yeah, and Kyle Hendricks, right, tied for Major League lead in wins right now. He could actually – he's the guy who's always been 14-12 and 12 his whole career. He can get to that 18-19 number this year. The only thing that I'll say is that it's been kind of a slow-moving regression, in my opinion, where you've got a guy like – Zach Davies is the perfect example. ERA, not terrible. You know, you're looking at him, you're like, oh, okay, we actually may be able to trade him in a week or so. But the problem has been four and two-thirds innings, one or two runs given up. You got to dip into that bullpen a little bit early. A bullpen that, you know, Chad was rocking and rolling there for a good while, especially with that trio of Tapera, Chafin, and Kimbrell. The guys before him, though, really were put in some situations. I don't want to say taxed, but we were kind of playing with fire for a while there. And while the starting rotation, you know, hasn't been exactly, you know, that, that death knell, but, you know, losing a guy like Trevor Williams even before he was ineffective. Jake Arrieta's struggles, and then you got a guy like Zach Davies, and even a guy like Albert Azalea coming back from that blister. Not being able to get deep into games has really kind of put them behind the eight ball and put the pressure on the offense. Yeah, and and, and the question is, is that just baseball now, or is that the ineffectiveness of the Cubs' uh, pitching staff to be able to, to prepare these guys to go longer than five or six innings? Because it really, if you look at baseball, it's trending to less innings. It's trending to getting to the bullpen um, more um, more quickly um, in, in a game. And you, you mentioned some guys that I think have some tremendous upside. And I'm excited about what the, the next couple of months are going to look like if they can step up and actually do their, their, their job and, and, uh, and eat up more innings. But it's going to be a really tough as if we expect with this trade deadline coming up, if Tapera Chafin and, and Kimbrell go like I expect all of them to go, um, there's no next man up that has the ability in a, in a high pressure situation to what uh, Craig Kimbrell did, you know, to, to, to lock down the, the, the game we, we saw him recording this the night before where the, the Cubs, you know, scored six in the, in the ninth inning. And then Kimbrell comes in a pressure situation where he wasn't even expecting, he was not expecting to pitch five minutes earlier. And all of a sudden he has to come in and shut it down. And he did. And that's why he's going to command one heck of a, of a return. I will share this. You're talking about pitching, but I want to tell you what I think is, the biggest reason this this Cubs offense has been um, in in the shape they're in, and it's a problem we're going to have until 2023 unless the front office can figure out some way to to ship him out along with uh, some of the guys that are wanted. But this team was playing really well when Jason Hayward was not in this lineup. Jason mm -hmm. Hayward is about as effective as Jake Arrieta was at his best as a pitcher, which means every now and then you're wowed, but for the most part, it's just what you expect, a chopper to the right side. And Jason Hayward has put such a stop sign. I, I really feel for David Ross. He's stuck every time he puts the lineup together where Jason Hayward, the most expensive guy, the biggest contract on this club, you have to slot him in. And he is an offense killer. He continues to be an offensive killer. And every now and then you talk him into, you know, into like, oh, he's going to be something else. But that's where I, I think you look at the, the offensive struggles. You can't turn that lineup over when Jason Hayward is, is almost guaranteed an out. Chad, I mean, Chad's right, and, and Hayward is obviously, uh, you know, a guy who's just been unreliable his entire uh, contract with this team, and even his glove right now is not as great as it was when he first came here, but it, it's more than just, I mean, Ian Happ is having an awful year for this team. Javi is not, you know, I mean, there's moments and flashes that Javi's fantastic, but I mean, he's putting up a, a record amount of strikeouts this year, which is just 
insane to me to think that this guy is going to, you know, possibly reach 300 strikeouts in a season. It's unheard of. Um, Rizzo well, about Nolan Ryan, right? You're talking about yeah, Nolan. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The wrong direction. Right. And, you know, I mean, even Rizzo, you know, clearly is, is not a hundred percent. The back seems to be bothering him. So it's just, it's just all around. We're not getting the production that we were hoping for. And I, and I get it that the batting averages all around are, are low this year and clearly team batting averages have taken a hit, but you can't be hitting 189 and you can't be hitting 212. And, and that's, you know, an Ian Happ, that's a Hayward. That's, you know, even Javi was, you know, in or around that area for much of the season before he, you know, started to hit the ball a little bit better after the all-star break. So all in all, I think everybody's, you know, even every, everyone has a role to play in this offensively, but you know, Chad's not wrong. Obviously Hayward has always been an albatross um, in that lineup and it, it continues to be a problem for this team, but there are other players involved too, for sure. Well, this brings me up to, this is a perfect segue to kind of a bigger topic I want to ask you guys about. And first of all, in regards to Hayward, yeah, they're ripping the days off the calendar until the number that they can eat the money out of that contract becomes palatable enough where they can actually move on from him. And, you know, Ryan, to your point too, yeah, I'm really, you know, we're, we're, we're given, this is, this is the thing I want to bring up. The Cubs core, we're giving them a really hard time. And yes, you're completely correct that the batting average across the league is probably what, maybe 10 to 15 points off its normalcy. So let's just say you added 10 to 15 points to Rizzo, Baez, and even Bryant. You know, Rizzo and Baez still maybe not exactly the batting average that you would want it to be in Wilson Contreras. But I want you guys to both weigh in on this one. And Ryan, if you'd like to go first, we all are focusing on the Cubs core, but you guys are hammering in on something that is so crucial and something that I believe in also where what's happened with our, we're taking our World Series heroes that exactly aren't producing the way that they were four or five years ago. Typically when you have a core in sports and on a team, Typically, the narrative is you got to help get these guys help. You've got your core. You got to surround them with guys that are going to be able to help them out through the process to be successful. Look at the past years, you know, Addison Russell, Dexter Fowler, Ben Zobrist, on and on and so forth. Take any single sport when you have your guys that you can bank on and what you consider a core, you surround them with people. There was a time when a Cubs fan could dream about a Bryce Harper or a Manny Machado coming in to supplant, you know, to be the extra piece on top of this cord that they were already creating. And you guys are nailing on it. Hap, Hayward, these supporting characters haven't really happened. So, you know, Ryan, is it fair to blame the Cubs' woes or where we're at on this core because fans just keep banging the drum? We have to break up this core, trade every single one of them. And I'm trying to tell people, slow down. You have to keep some of these talented players around. And you have to build around them. You can't necessarily just break them up and cast them off because one day you're just going to be searching for the next Anthony Rizzo. You're going to be looking for the next Chris Bryant. So, I mean, Ryan, do you agree with this narrative that it's the Cubs' core's fault that the reason why they're not winning? I mean, it's so hard to say. Look, they're the they're the leaders, right? They're the guys that kind of set the table for everybody else. And to tell you the truth, you know, and I think Chad would agree with me, it was for a while the role players that were kind of the ones leading the charge for a bit. You know, you had the, the Matt Duffy's and the Jake Mars, you know, Marisnik's and, you know, those types of players that would maybe come in and, and maybe, you know, lead the way quite a bit when some of the other guys were, were not hitting well. Um, and so I, I do actually think that it starts with Chris Bryant and Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo. And when they're not, you know, hitting the ball well, I mean, those are your guys that you're hoping that are going to drive in runs, Wilson Contreras. And when, when they're not doing it, you can't expect Jack Peterson to be your go-to guy and say, okay, we, you're going to be the, you know, the, the linchpin of this offense or, you know, Matt Duffy or Ian Happ or Nico Horner. They're all good supporting players. But I, 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 I kind of say that you have to have, those core guys, you know, you look on the South side, I mean, yeah, they've had injuries there, you know, with, with some key players, but Abreu is still setting the table. I guess what I'm saying is those are their core guys. And then they have these guys that have kind of just played unbelievable to kind of get back to the North side. You got to have your core um, be, be basically the, the lightning rods for your offense. Otherwise you're, you're not going to be successful. And that's, that's purely on, uh, from, from what my standpoint is. 
Yeah, Abreu is a great example. He's heading towards his mid-30s, and he's still rocking and rolling and producing and trying to you know, lead the AL and, and runs batted in. Chad, I'd love to have you weigh in on this one. Just what is your take on the Cubs' core and how it has affected you know, just sort of where we are and the decisions that the Cubs' front office has to make? Until you Darvish was moved, this team was well over the luxury tax. The, the, the reason the front office said they, they made that move was because they wanted to spend, stop spending 20 to $30 million that just goes off into the air. That's the luxury tax. There's no return for that. You can get a tremendous player like that. You could pay for a, a Chris Bryant for, for a, maybe a season and a half with that money, and, and they needed to recoup that. That was the reason they did that with you Darvish. This team has spent well. This team has been one of the top five spenders in all of baseball. So they did what they could, I think. Um, have they made some really poor choices? Yes. Jason Hayward has been a poor choice of this that's, that's just locked down the right field. The core, I've had this theory on the podcast for, for a while. I've shared it with many of, of a guests, and it's hard to get anybody that's in the, the field or into the industry, in the sports industry, um, to agree with me. But I am a firm believer. There's a reason why we're more impressed right now with this White Sox core. Even the guys that you said are, are, are older. They're hungry. They're trying to, to reach Valhalla. The Cubs have done it. No matter what, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, and even Contreras, no matter what those guys do for the rest of their career, they'll never have to buy a drink or a steak in Chicago for the rest of, because they did what was never going to be done before. And how do you have that hunger? I mean, think about as a fan what all of us felt when it finally happened. I mean, people were go visiting dead relatives in their graveyard because it was such a monumental for those players. They were a part of that. They didn't succumb to the pressure that 69 and 84 and 89 and, and 03, those teams did. These guys reached it. And I think there's a fire in the belly um, that is not there anymore. And which is why I'm okay with breaking up this core group and bringing in some other guys that these superstars in Chicago that haven't tasted victory, that don't have a ring, that have the ability to, to do something and get that second ring. Um, for this team in this century. And I think that's going to be really valuable. But the guys that are there right now, I don't see hunger. Uh, you know, everybody talks about Anthony Rizzo as being the leader of the scene, like put the, the C on his chest. I love Anthony Rizzo. I think what he does in the community is amazing. I think he's done great stuff on the field. However, when was the last time Anthony Rizzo really impressed you on the baseball field? It's been a couple of years for me, and he's just getting hurt and he's breaking down. So I think it's time to make some moves. It's going to hurt. But as I like to say to everybody, Joey, just because somebody is traded this year, just like an oldest Chapman for the Yankees, they can still come back. If the front office really wants him back, have him come back, but also maybe get an all-star second baseman in the group. You know, So it's not the end of the world when these guys get moved. If you can get some value, get some value. The core force time here in Chicago is done. Our days are numbered. And there was a great exhibit A when Nick Castellanos came over from the Cubs. You can just get the vibe and the feel of that hunger that I think you're talking about and that want to win. And it just looked different than some of the other Cubs that were currently already on the team. Ryan, please hop back in. Yeah, I mean, isn't it kind of funny, Chad and I actually talked about this the other day, about the fact that out of all the ex-Cubs of all time who had a major short tenure, I don't think any Cub fan – misses any player more than Nick Castellanos. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how we just... jersey a couple buttons here and let me get in my <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I've never seen a fan base pine for a player more than than Nick Castellanos. It's unbelievable and he spent all of like th two months with the Cubs, if that. And it's it's just remarkable how much people go, man, we could really use Nick Castellanos right about. And sure, they could use Nick Castellanos right now. Anybody could have had Nick Castellanos. That's the craziest part of this whole thing. The Cubs could have gotten him and kept him for a very like reasonable amount of money. If and I now interject, he's interject real quick. He can opt out after this year, Cubs fans. So also yeah. just keep that on standby. Yeah. Yes, he can opt out. And now the Cubs could probably get him for triple the amount that they could have gotten him for if they had re-signed him the first time around. And, and I mean, listen, if he goes on to potentially win the MVP award in the National League, which he's in the running. I mean, he's he's playing unbelievable. Him and his teammate Jesse Wink are absolutely lights out for the Reds this year. Yeah, I mean, he's he's just he's just gonna be eating well, like you know, he's just waiting for that big contract now. I, but it is funny to see that. You know, Castellanos is a perfect example of a guy that this team could have easily had in right field patrolling right now and, and would have at least added something to the offense and given something to get excited about for this team. And, and they obviously opted and said, eh, we have Jason Hayward. We need him in right field because we still have that long contract. But he gave the speech, Chad. He gave that speech. 
There you go. That's $184 million speech right there. I went to the night in October in, uh, in, uh, in Cleveland. And yeah, yeah. And there was really no spot for Nick. And now that left field is, is open up, there's an opportunity. You can move some things around, but um, I, I posted on the, our, our friendly confines, Facebook page that, uh, that Jock Peterson played for the Cubs. I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but like 23 more games than Nick. And, and my offseason prediction, if I'm Jed Hoyer, if I'm Jed Hoyer, um, no matter what you do at the core, the greatest thing you can do, because Nick is going to opt out of his contract for the Reds. He's going to get paid. He should get paid. He's putting up some absurd numbers uh, for him over the last three, three years. And he's such a great clubhouse guy and a great energy guy. Like you said, Joey, just brings different energy. The best thing they could do is announce a Nick Castellanos signing on day one of the Cubs convention. It doesn't matter who else they sign in the offseason. You can sell tickets with Nick. You can sell T-shirts, jerseys. You can you can do a lot with that guy and then build a team around him. So I don't know if that means Hayward gets, you know, that contract is the, the shrewdest move I think you could make is figure out a way for, um, for the Boston Red Sox to need a first baseman. And they also need a uh, uh, everybody needs good, uh, good relief pitching to, to package Kimbrell to package Rizzo. And then also say, you got to take Jason's contract as well. We want nothing in return. That would be one of the greatest uh, uh, heists ever. If Jed Hoyer could figure out a way to, to get Jay, it, it's time to move on. But yeah, if Nick Castellanos is in a Cubs Jersey next year, that's going to, a lot of Cubs fans are going to forgive all of the anger and resentment that's really built up over the last two seasons. That's a great, uh, that'd be great, a great start signing Castellanos for sure. And, you know, moving Jay Hayes money or, and look, we're kind of back at that place where Jed Hoyer is going to have to kind of, be make some of that magic again some of that jeff samarcha for the addison russell and the scott feldman for the jake Arrietas, and he's gonna have to wheel and deal and hopefully he nails on some of these guys so let's kind of get into it a little bit if i'm incorrect by a couple million forgive me listeners but i think the cubs only have about 70 million committed to next year's salaries i don't necessarily see them jumping all the way up to that 190 200 but i could easily see and i think cubs fans probably should expect they get at least in that 160 170 maybe even that 180 range next year so we're looking at over 100 million dollars committed just to players next year which ones do you want ryan i mean in my opinion you can't just get rid of willie Baez, bryant and rizzo and just start all over i mean that is just such a taxing thing to put on you know the the, the free agent market if you will so of these guys who who are you keeping ryan it's such a hard question because I think everybody is on the table right now for this team. I, I think if you're the Cubs and you're trying to sell tickets, I mean, you try everything in your power. Well, the one obvious person you're you're going to have on this team next year, and and yes, we know Jason Hayward ultimately will be on the team. I'm not talking about him, but Kyle, Kyle Hendricks will be on this team next year. Like he is on a friendly contract. He is at the top of his game. He is a fantastic ace for this team. Um, he, he's definitely a guy that I'm obviously holding on to do start with the rotation from an offensive standpoint, you know, listen, I, I, I think that you tried to do everything in your power to keep Rizzo, you know, and you try to at least try to sign Javi to maybe a short-term three or four-year deal because you got guys in the farm system like an Ed Howard who might be three, four years away who, you know, you kind of keep Javi on in that role and maybe he continues to um, get back to the numbers that he had put up back in, you know, 2019, so to speak. Um, so, or, 20, or 2018. But so for that, I, I'm hoping that those three to start are, are kind of there. I think Nico Horner is going to have a place on this team. And I think Contreras might be, believe it or not, a guy you trade because you have Miguel Amaya in the minor leagues. And so he's somebody that I think you can get something for and, and ultimately package him in the off season. So I, I guess those would be my four with Rizzo Baez, um, Horner and Hendricks and the rest you can do whatever you want with them and try to find the best deals for you and then go out and, you know, try to sign free agents and try to work in your farm system with guys that you think might have an opportunity to contribute in the future. The market's coming back for Rizzo for sure. And you would like to think it's coming down a little bit with Baez. There might be a little bit of some disagreement there in terms of numbers when they finally get down into negotiations 
And while Bryce Ball starts breathing down Rizzo's neck over the next couple of years. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm kidding. But you look, man, I'm going to agree with you on Wilson Contreras. I hear a lot of sentiment out there that we need to lock up Wilson Contreras long term. And here's my thing. It's not that I dislike Wilson Contreras other than his annual hamstring injury festival that he throws typically almost every single year. There is the sentiment of you can't like he's one of the few good catchers in the game. Well, I look at it on the other side. It looks like there's a lot of other successful teams in Major League Baseball that seem to get by with just a defensive-minded catcher and a guy that controls the pitching staff and someone that you know just hopefully hits at the bottom of your lineup and whatever. Look at the Astros right now. They seem to have no problem with Martin Maldonado behind the plate for them. And with Miguel Amaya on the way, and I think Wilson Contreras perhaps has the best value because there's some teams that place that that high trade, you know, that elite thing of JT. Is JT Real Muto changing the Philadelphia Phillies for all that money? I would say no. And so I would say that that is maybe one of those hard decisions of moving on from a guy like Contreras because you can always find those catchers down the road. You can always develop somebody. And honestly, it's almost like, I don't know, having a great kicker on a football team that is going nowhere. You know what I mean? It's one of the last things maybe that you try and figure out. Uh, Chad, I'd love to have you to weigh in on just, you know, who you'd keep. Um, you know, who maybe you'd let go and, and would you be the type of guy that would maybe go out and see what you can get for a Wilson Contreras? I, I like Willie and I, I like Willie on this team. I like Willie going into a contract year next year. I mean, there's, there's great. I mean, you just, if you could replicate what Yadier Molina has done with the Cardinals and create a franchise catcher that actually leads this team. And we've seen a bit of that leadership in recent days, although he did get slapped down by David Ross for speaking out of turn uh, of, of apparently by talking about effort, about how not everybody has the same effort as Javi and, and he. Um, but yeah, you look at that Buster Posey. I mean, those are guys that are impact players that have a, have a, a great moment. Wilson's one of those guys that when he's up to the, up to the bat in a, in a key situation, I have faith in him. I don't have faith in everybody. We don't always have faith in Javi Baez in a pressure situation. What do we always say? Just don't throw them a strike, right? We all, as fans, we know, like just hopefully they don't, hopefully they don't know how to pitch the, the hobby. They, they just throw it high strikes, right? Yeah. So if, if I was going to make a move, um, I wouldn't touch Willie. Um, I would, as we go into this off season, regardless of what you do with Chris here to the trade deadline, I would put a lot of effort in bringing Chris Bryant back because I think Chris Bryant, other than his, I, I, this is one of my other theories. Once drugs became illegal, which I say tongue in cheek, um, Major League Baseball had to shift to big frame players so that they could drive the ball out, hit the ball hard. That's why you're seeing a lot of bigger guys out there versus the big bulkier guys. And Chris Bryant's a guy that can drive the ball and he's a student of the game. He's always tweaking his, his, uh, his approach at the plate. He's the guy that when he's up to bat, he never looks lost, always has quality at bats, um, and is the guy that you kind of wind up in a, in a pressure situation, I think. And he was playing at the MVP caliber uh, level earlier this year before he got beamed in the, in the thumb. So I put all the effort into building this team around Chris Bryant. And I wouldn't mind if, if Javi goes, because I just, Javi's not going to make franchise money. He's not going to be making $250 million. He had big eyes a couple of years ago. He's going to get paid, but I don't think he is worth the effort for the Cubs to lock him up because I don't think he's going to change his approach. We've seen it this year in a contract year. And, and Anthony, um, he, you know, he was one of those guys that was, you know, brought in early on by the Cubs and signed one of those really team friendly deals, but got paid early um, and, and didn't bank on himself to get paid later. And he made some good money, he made a lot more money than a lot of the youngsters did in that bit first part of the bit him in yeah. the butt a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It did bite him in the butt, but, but who knows if, if he would have, you know, what his, what his value would have been. Um, to other teams because he is not a guy that's going to match 50 home runs or even 40 home runs. He's not a guy that is going to, um, you know, lead your team consistency. We've seen that from the injury perspective. So um, it'd be sad to see Anthony go, but I'm not, I'm not in the sentimental business anymore. If he can't prove it on a day-to-day -day basis, I, I wouldn't have any problems with that. I, so long answer is, is go after short answers, go after Chris Bryant at all costs. doesn't matter if you trade him now, come back and try to bring him and, and let him know, Hey, there's a statue for you. If you continue on this path through this next contract, Brian, I want you to hop in in one second. Quick follow up, Chad. What is the number for Chris Bryant that you that is too rich for your blood? 
I, you know, I, it I never think about a contract. I, I never look at anybody and go, I can't believe these guys are making what they're making because uh, the, the revenue supports it, right? So if he's a $300 million guy, if he wants to equal Bryce Harper, um, go for it. I mean, this is where his, his, his agent's going to make a lot of money. And, and let's also keep in mind, he's not been on a rookie deal. The Cubs, even before arbitration came out, gave him a heck of a raise. So the arbitration numbers, he's making like 19, 20 million. It's not like he's, you know, getting really you know, screwed over by the rickets at this point in the front office. So to answer your question, three, three fifty, I think is where he is. Um, will he get signed for another 10 years? I don't know. I don't think those contracts are happening anymore. So I think something, um, I, I just, I just can't imagine him getting signed to a contract like that with the history and the pedigree he's had. And then all of a sudden getting fat and happy, you know, he's a guy that's going to want to want to continue to be an elite player in this league. And we saw that this year. And just cur- I'm, I'm curious, too, because just by association and then they're apples and oranges. But, you know, I'm wondering if the Cubs are going to be against seven or eight year deals now after the Hayward situation. Ryan, please weigh in. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. And that's that's the thing. You know, we're sitting here talking about that contract with Jason Hayward that we have to wait another two years before we can free ourselves of this, you know, albatross. And yet we're talking about Chris Bryant being signed to a. 10-year, $350 million deal. Look, I love Chris Bryant. I think he's an incredible person. I think he is, you know, going to be somebody that every single Cub fan will remember fondly and love and cherish the memories that they had with him. But at the end of the day, I'm not giving him more than five years and I'm not going higher than 175 million. Now that puts him, I want to say, if I'm doing my math correctly, around 35, 36 million, which, you know, you're, you're looking at the highest paid third baseman in baseball with that deal. He's going to be 35 years old at that point. I'm not going to give a guy who's got, you know, in a history of injuries, somebody who, you know, clearly every year has kind of struggled to stay healthy, an eight, nine year contract. And he'll, he may get that Joey. He may very well get that deal, whether it's with the giants or the Padres or the Mariners or insert team, the Mets, he might get that deal. Cause Scott Boris is going to hold out for that money. You know, he will. And I just don't think ultimately it's worth it. If you want to sign him to, if he's willing to take 175 for five years, I do that in a heartbeat. I'm not signing Chris Bryant. Sorry. I'm not going so he's 36, 37, 38 years old. And we look at him like we look at Albert Pujols or Alex Rodriguez or Miguel Cabrera. And they're just taking up a spot in the lineup at that point. I'm, I'm just not going to do it. I, I don't think it's smart baseball to do it. I have not seen a single contract. And I, I, I will finish with this. And Chad knows where I'm going with this. I, I've said this multiple times. The St. Louis Cardinals, the Washington Nationals, and the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox traded Mookie Betts. They're in first place right now. The Cardinals got rid of Albert Pujols. They maintained a great and awesome success, even when Pujols was gone. And then the Washington Nationals, they they let Bryce Harper walk away. They promptly go out and win a World Series. So as far as I'm concerned, you can live without these players. And all those contracts, Pujols' contract, never lived up to it. Um, Mookie Betts, he's not blowing anything up right now in LA. He's not having like these unbelievable numbers and Bryce Harper, he's, he's doing okay. But I think when it's all said and done, that contract's not going to be worth the money that he signed. Good for all of them to get it, but it is not smart baseball to sign these guys to these ridiculous mega contracts because it never has worked out for any of these players that signed them. I am in agreement that Bryce Harper will not be a Philadelphia Philly in the next two to three years. Mark my words. Chad, please hop back in. So, I mean, is he going to get Mike Trout money? No, nobody should get Mike Trout money. But should he get Manny Machado money? And and, and that's what is that, a 10-year deal, $300 million? I, 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 don't, I, think, I think Ryan's premise of a short-term deal with less money, I think I, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me because this is his time to get paid. And his, his agent is going to get him paid. And, and teams can look at that and say, oh, you know what? We may eat the last part of this, but this is a guy who's going to get his production in the next five, six years when it matters. Here's why I think Chris Bryant's worth Manny Machado money and even worth more than Manny Machado, which again, 10 years, $300 million, which is ludicrous numbers. But again, the revenue support it. It's not like anybody's going broke. People make these guys be able to make this money. Chris Bryant, as we all know, has started five positions this year, more than 10 games. Name another player in recent. I'm, I'm not sure Mike Trout could do that, right? The value that he brings to the Cubs, the versatility, a guy that has never shown his attitude to, to say, basically, 
I'm not doing that. Keep me at third. I mean, he could have big time this front office. He could have big time Ross. He could have faked injuries. He could have done anything to not be the guy that's all over the field. He's the most versatile player. And in my opinion, the most valuable player because of his versatility this year that I don't think 10 years and $300 million is out of, out of reach. I think he's going to make more than 10 years, $300 million. And I think he, based upon his pedigree, what he's been able to do and what I think he's going to be able to do his, he is physically not breaking down. Um, he's suffering injuries. There's a big difference there. And I think there, if the Cubs look at this and say, we can get six good years out of a 10 year contract, go for it. And I think other teams are going to look at that as well. Uh, my concern sometimes with Chris Bryant is he's a little bit of a Ferrari. You know, the old saying of the Ferrari, when just the tiny little thing goes wrong, it can't run at the optimal speed. Do you ever worry about that? Or do you feel like it's a little bit more coincidental? I, I felt like this year is an example of coincidental. This year, he was uh, he was in the top three of everybody's discussion as an MVP, and he got hit right in the thumb, and that curtailed him, and it was bad luck. And I think he's had some bad luck as, as it went on. You know, he shared that he had shoulder strain issues, and that affected his numbers in years past. But it's I think we're in a different situation than Anthony Rizzo and his, his, his pesky back. You know, Chris Bryant has issues, but not nagging issues that come back that an, a bigger guy – a stockier guy like Rizzo is going to have the effect by Anthony's an athletic guy. He's a lean six, five. He's never going to be an issue where he's going to be putting on some weight like an Albert Pujols. Um, I think, um, I think it's bad luck in a lot of cases, Joey. Yeah. Chad's talking about Manny Machado. Does anyone even talk? I mean, Chad's in San Diego, Chad, nobody talks about Manny Machado. It's all about Fernando Tatis jr. There. It, I, 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 I'm it's probably the, probably the best situation for him. He's now all the pressures off him. So sign Chris to a big term, long-term deal and, and get some young gun in there to get all the headlines. Manny's nope, but, it up but, out but, here. But the point is, is that nobody talks about Manny Machado because he's not doing anything. He's not worth $300 million in 10 years. Look, I'm, I'm happy to make Chris the highest paid third baseman in baseball. 175 for five or even 180 for five. He's going, he's, that's more than Anthony Rendon's making as the highest paid third baseman for the Angels right now. He, give him that offer. Give him and say, we are making you the highest paid third baseman in baseball. Five years, 175. Boris, I know, would want more years, but I just, it's just not smart baseball to give him that kind of money. I love Chris Bryant. It has nothing to do with him as a person, as what he has done in the past. But in order for to see a team do what they need to do to succeed, signing these long-term contracts, and you just mentioned, Joey, Bryce Harper might not even be on the Phillies in two years. That, to me, is ridiculous. Like, first of all, I don't even know who's going to take over that contract. So, to me, it's just I, I don't feel like – it has been smart over the years to see these mega deals, you know, dealt out because it, time and time again, history has proved that for the teams, it is not smart baseball economically. Yes, great for the players, but it's not smart baseball and it hinders your team at the end of the day. And, and you're not able to, to ultimately build what you need to do, apparently. And look, I, I love Chris Bryant and, and Chad, I, all the things you said, I, I completely agree with. He's also the best base runner on the team. I mean, for a guy, his size first to third or first to home, he's one of the best in the business. In my personal opinion, that means something to me, the rubber meets the road. And this is, I think where, what Ryan's talking about is you could go out there and you could offer him top dollar, right? You could make, you could go out there and be like, I'm going to make you the top third baseman in all of baseball and you know who knows maybe we get the universal dh maybe chris bryant's a first baseman somewhere down the road whatever it is but the thing that i just don't think will happen which makes my heart kind of sad is i just don't see the cubs getting in a bidding war and i'm really curious to see where chris chris bryant's mindset is with scott boris as his agent like you said is he really going to go play for the seattle mariners and disappear into obscurity for that top dollar for that big contract that is something that we definitely need to be asking ourselves and asking that question because Chris Bryant, I just, I felt like he should have gotten rid of Scott Boris a couple of years ago and tried to negotiate his own deal. That obviously didn't happen. So that kind of leads you a little bit down the road of maybe what Chris Bryant's thinking. Now there's always the Anaheim angels out there right in our backyard. Who's always willing to say, how many zeros do you want? And just keep writing those zeros until the deal is done. I would just say this, that you mentioned it earlier, the Cubs forgive us for being a million or so off. The Cubs have 70 million committed to next year. Um, they will be probably not over the luxury tax. I think the Dodgers are the only team that's over the luxury tax this year. And I think it's right around 210 million. This Cubs front office is not going to go cheap next year. They've got to sell tickets there. They are giving away partial season, not giving away, but they're, 
people are being called on the season ticket list right now because they are struggling to sell tickets. They can't do that again next year. They're going to need to sell some tickets. They can't have a losing record next year. They need to build something up and they need to build it around a cornerstone. Chris Bryant could be that guy and a $30 million contract for him front loaded, back loaded could be great. And Joe, you raised a great, really good point. If the DH comes into play, he's got longevity. If Rizzo doesn't stick around, he can move over to first if his body breaks down more. He's a, he's a stud defender. He has versatility to play everywhere. He has been the insurance that has, has allowed that team to go on that, that epic May run where we actually thought they're going to be world beaters. So, you know, Chris has the ability, uh, you know, he, he's not doing himself a disservice by having Scott Boris as his agent. I mean, he's going to get paid. I don't think, to Ryan's point, I don't think he's interested in signing another contract. I think mm-hmm. that he's earned it. College baseball player of the year, minor league baseball player of the year, rookie of the year, um, MVP in a World Series winning team. Um, I think he wants to get paid like his buddy got paid and he wants to negotiate one last contract. And I think he's the type of, of generational player that should be able to do that and sign the big deal. I don't think Major League Baseball, and I don't think the Cubs by design are going to um, gonna all of a sudden just get out of the, 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 the you know, they, they're going to weigh the numbers of what a, a wash at the end of a, a contract could look like, like a Pujols who is now doing good things for the Dodgers. But I think he's going to get paid. I think the Cubs should make, make a big, big run on that. But, but you're right. If, he, if he's just in it for the biggest contract, I don't see that happening. He'd be in it for the right business deal. Um, and coming back to San Diego where he did his college ball would be great. If there's a Vegas team out there, maybe keep his options open. You know, that's where he's from at home and he could sell a lot of tickets there. But like you, Joey, I don't want to be wearing my Chris Bryant jersey for the last time. Um, I want to be wearing that for the next several years and cheering him on. Chris Bryant resurrects the Diamondbacks coming to a ballpark near you, which brings us to our final topic. This is what I want to try and get across, and I really want to hear your guys' thoughts and ideas on this because I think we're being way too casual as Cubs fans, and I think people that love to listen to your pod, which is the Friendly Confines pod, I'm with Ryan Lieber and Chad Gordon right here. I'm having a great conversation, honestly, guys. I'm absolutely loving this, but I think people are throwing around the word retool and rebuild a little too casually. Um, If we remember correctly... The last time we did this, it took a little while. Now, obviously, that they were being very transparent and upfront about it. And now they're out there saying, look, we're not going to do that again. We want to turn this thing around quickly. Easier said than done. In my opinion, in Major League Baseball, two years of rebuilding can turn into five really, really quickly if you're not too careful. So I want to hear what you think you guys think is going to be the number one key moving forward that's going to help this retool be as short as possible as in maybe one to two years and if you don't mind I'm going to go first because I would love to hear you guys perspective on it mine for me personally and I want to see this starting next week we need to find out how many young controllable starting pitchers we have in this organization and we need to figure it out right now you mentioned earlier Ryan we have Hendricks that's our starter right I like Albert Azale, all right? I think his I think his progress this season has been promising for the most part. Is he going to be a stud? I'm not so sure. Can he have a rotation spot next year? Absolutely. I heard they're, just, they're stretching out Justin Steele. I want to see him up here now. I'm sorry, Trevor Williams. You're not helping us now. You weren't helping us out then. You're not going to help us out in the future. Figure it out. Let him go. Jake, love you to pieces. Maybe you can get one start under your belt, and maybe we'll find a way to get you on some other team. Zach Davies, the exact same story. I'm a big Keegan Thompson fan. I think we need to stretch him out. I think we need to try and give him. I want to see 40 quality innings of starter starter stuff from Keegan Thompson. If we can walk out of this year, and we got Jordan Wicks in the draft. We'll see what happens. Who knows with prospects and stuff like that. But they like him to, to come a little early. If we can walk out of this year, let's just say three guys in our rotation that are young, controllable, and that we like, and we don't have to go out there and spend money on the Tyler Chatwoods of the world. I think that might give us the actual best shot at getting back quicker. You know, we can do whatever we want with the core. We can sign guys. We can do whatever we want to the offense. But I just think the biggest problem during this entire run, which has been an amazing Cubs run, is we've made too many mistakes going out and bringing in outside pitching and hoping that it works out, spending too much money in trying to clean up our own mess. So all I really want for the rest of the season is as many young pitchers as possible. I wish Braylon Marquez's shoulder was okay because I would love to see him up there as well. Ryan, your take on that and also one other key that you think is going to be so crucial to this Cubs team that's going to help maybe make this retool as short as possible. Well, you hit it on the head. I mean, I, that's what I was thinking was the, was the pitching, you know, and you kind of mentioned it. The number one failure during Theo Epstein's tenure was not being able to produce homegrown pitching and going out 
and, you know, signing John Lester, bringing in and trading for Jake and having a lot of veterans. Cole Hamels making an appearance at one point. I mean, there were just a lot of guys that, you know, were veterans that they relied on to anchor this pitching staff. And you got to have young talented pitching if you're going to make it in major league baseball we we see it right now with a team like tampa i mean they are just continuing to just i don't know they're like weeds over there and in, in wherever they're coming from but they have such a plethora of talent in that farm system it's the number one farm system in baseball and they are just able to continue to just bring these guys up you know then they start and then they trade them but regardless they have it. The Cubs need to figure it out, as you mentioned, some of those guys that I think have an opportunity to really shine. So, yeah, I, I, they can't afford to have, as you said, another four-year rebuild like we saw when Theo first got here and then, you know, 2015 happens. Like, we have to see results now. There's no excuse at this point with a network with an ownership group that has all this money that they're going to be able to spend next year with all the contracts that are going to be up. So that's the, that's the first part, of course, was the pitching. The second part for me is I, I think you got to also look at, okay, well, where are the spots that we're ultimately going to say, hey, we need to fill this specific hole with a free agent or, hey, we have some guys who might be able, you know, do you give Patrick Wisdom a shot and say, hey, maybe this guy can be an everyday third baseman uh, at the major league level? Maybe he will be. I, I'm still trying to figure out this could be another topic for another day. Is Patrick Wisdom a rookie or not? I, I'm still trying to understand if that's the case or not, Chad. We'll, we'll have to talk about that in another episode. But he's those are the kind of 30. He's making the 30 somethings look good, though, is what, yeah. I, what I'll what i agree with there. <laughs> right. Without a doubt. So, yeah, no, without a doubt. So so for me, I think it's about figuring out with these position players, um, where do we need to really go out and say, hey, let's go and, you know, identify a big time free agent that we need to bring in and sign to a long term deal. Or are we comfortable with some of these guys that we're seeing right now and say, hey, let's give them a shot. We really believe that ultimately this is our you know, position player for the future and, and see where it goes from there. And, and it, it may be you know, that Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez are not a part of that, and that's okay. Um, but you know, I think that's where it has to figure out is where are the key spots that are ultimately position players that they say, okay, we need to sign this position player for X amount of years because we know that if we have somebody like this in our system, that's going to ultimately lead to a successful uh, next five or six or how many years that we ultimately think we can contend for. And you have to be really prudent and really smart when you do bring someone in on the outside and pay them big money to come in. I mean, I'll tell you right now, not to steal a line from Donnie Brasco, but Carlos Correa is one of the bigger fugazis, in my opinion, in Major League Baseball. He's having a great year. Super talented, but if you want to talk about a guy who's hurt all the time every other year, that's what you're going to be paying for. So just keep in mind, Cubs fans, when you get when you get really excited about maybe some of those names that are out there, just make sure you know you kind of do your homework and make sure you know what you're bringing in. Chad, give us one of one of the keys that you think is going to help make this retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, as short as possible on the north side. I like what you said about let's see what this team has. Let's see what this youth movement looks like. Let's see what these young pitchers can do if they're stretched out. I mentioned that before. When this trade deadline ends, we're going to see a lot of young pitchers come and show them what they have. I'm excited about the future of this team. When you think about Brennan Davis, you think about Ed Howard, you think about some of the guys, you know, Amaya, who, who uh, could be the future. And and those are cost-controlled future pieces of this team. That 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 was the same thing we had when um, this team started back in, in 14 and 15 and the shift that they made. Um, what I'd like to see from a, a, a standpoint, if you look at the free agents that are coming on this market, um, I've said on the podcast, I don't think there's a more valuable person on this team from a marketability standpoint than Javi Baez. There isn't. There isn't another guy um, that can have people line up hours in advance for a bobblehead. There's not another guy that gets chance of his name when he's at bat. There's nobody else like him, but it might be time to make a move because there are other shortstops that are coming in that you could build this team around. You could have some cornerstone um, pieces, but then also you say, well, what if some of the younger guys we have, what if they could be the guy? I'm excited about seeing a full year of Nico Horner. I'm excited about uh, to seeing um, I, I think Brennan Davis being in double A ball right now, I just don't think, even though he's tearing it up right now at that level, I don't know if he's going to be ready to start center field next year, but I can see him halfway through next year, be ready to, to come up and, and maybe be the guy. 
Um, but it, 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 it's the point that Ryan made about how Theo and this team never were able to really create homegrown pitching. Um, it, it's, it's always been the case for this, this group and, and other organizations have been able to do it. What gives me hope is what you've seen with this reliever core, what you've seen with the bullpen, what you've seen, the numbers have been absolutely fantastic this year. That's homegrown. That's folks that have kind of bought into what the Cubs are doing, um, where they've had to go after some, some arms um, on the starting side. So it gives me hope that they, they halfway know what they're doing, but you know, if you can build, build it around your ace and Kyle Hendricks and, and go from there and let Kyle stay there for a little bit, he's on a good contract. He's not going anywhere. What I'd be excited about this year is to see what new blood, new energy, and people that, you know, maybe nobody with the ring is, is, is starting next year other than Jason Hayward and see what that energy and fire and excitement can do for a team. Because I have not seen that energy, fire and excitement. I've seen a lot of business like, and there's something to be said about the swagger you see from these younger teams um, when they ex get excited and they, they're trying to prove something to some people. I don't think the Cubs have a lot to prove. I think they've got a chip on their shoulder and feel like they've already earned it. And so what I'm excited about is seeing some guys that don't feel like they've earned it and want to be the guys that are the next face of this franchise. And I know we always want to talk north side and south side and stuff, but for Cubs fans out there, even if you do hate the White Sox, there's a really interesting juxtaposition going on between what that team looks like, how that team plays, and the hunger I think that you're talking about, Chad, right now with their core guys, with their side guys, with the dudes that come off the bench. It's very reminiscent of 2015, 2016. And I think Cubs fans, maybe just take a peek over there for a couple of those games and just see maybe some of the ingredients and elements that the Cubs team needs to add moving forward in the future to get back to, you know, just making it rocking again on Addison. Uh, final one, yes or no, is Ian Happ back next year? Ryan, yes or no? No. <laughs> Chad, is, Ryan, is Ian Happ back next year? I love Ian. I love I love his business like approach, but no, I don't think I don't think he can make his way back on this team. I think it's time to punt. It, it's Super happy. sad. Tons of speed, switch hitter, and could have been our leadoff man. And yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Another player that they were kind of hoping that could develop and maybe become one of those supporting cast characters that has also helped lead to the degradation of the Cubs core and maybe some guys that are going to be leaving their team in the next week or so. This was the this was uh, Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. I was talking to the Friendly Confines podcast host, Ryan Lieber and Chad Gordon. We're going to go one at a time. Ryan, thank you so much for being on the pod, man. Great to see you, my friend. I hope you can come back again soon. Joey, anytime, man. I love coming out with you. I always enjoy speaking with you, and uh, it's great to catch you again. So anytime you need me, you know where to find me. Uh, thank you so much. And, Chad, thank you so much for coming on the pod, being generous with your time. Great meeting you for the first time. Loved your perspectives. You guys have a great podcast going on. My listeners out there, I know you want to listen to my podcast, but you also want to check out theirs. They get fantastic guests, and they give you great information. Chad, great having you on, man. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks, Joey. It's been a lot, a lot of fun. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Make sure you go on your mobile device right now and sign up because you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's a pretty great start when you go to BetOnline.ag. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. we got plenty more coming, but until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.